Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Mother Rucker podcast is sponsored by Baby Tula, a global leader in ergonomic and comfortable carriers. Tula's mission is to give parents confidence and support and help them keep doing what they love while being reflective of their own personal style through a range of stunning designs. As an inclusive brand, Tula offers carriers for all ages and stages from birth up to around seven years to empower families of all kinds throughout their unique parenting journeys. Make sure you check them out and choose your favourite design. And welcome to the Mother Rucker podcast. My name is Lizanne and I'm here to chat to you about all things sling every other week. With me today is Georgia Allen and Sheridan Thomas from My Midwives UK. They are registered independent midwives, professional midwifery advocates, and they've devised some groundbreaking initiatives too. Hi ladies. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Oh, thank Thank you so much for having us. You're so welcome. So, uh, who's Sheridan? Who's Georgia? So I'm Sheridan. And I'm Georgia. Fantastic. Um, And tell us a bit about yourselves. Like, um, how did My Midwives UK come about? So, so so we worked in um, a caseloading model of care. um, And we were caseloading midwives Mm. for two years there. Yeah. And we were buddies in that model. So very similar to how we work now where Sheridan would have a caseload of women and I would be her buddy and meet them and come to the births with her. Um, and we loved it. Yeah, didn't we? We, we absolutely loved, loved everything it, yeah. about caseloading. Yeah. And unfortunately the, um, the, the funding behind the service was, was um, pulled and the, the service didn't get the next contract. So actually we um, found out with very little notice mm. that the service was actually closing. So the, we found out on the, the Monday, on the Monday. on the Monday that the service was going to close on that on Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh um, my word. <laughs> I know. Oh. And so we had a full caseload. We had women that were due to birth any day. Mm-hmm. They had the birthing pools. They were, you know, there was literally, they were 41 weeks, yeah. you know, we had a yeah. full caseload of, of women that were due. Um, and we were absolutely devastated, mm. weren't we? It completely pulled the rug from underneath us. Yeah. I think I cried for the first 24 <laughs> yeah. hours. Oh, yeah. 48 hours notice. That's horrendous. Yeah. Oh, it was just awful. And the women were crying. You know, they, yeah. the parents were so upset because we'd had, you know, amazing continuity with these families. Mm. We'd looked after them from the beginning. We'd prepped them for the birth. Sometimes it was the second baby as well and they'd come back yeah. to you. So it was just... Oh. So we, um, so a lot, because it was such short notice, a lot of the local trusts were struggling to accommodate and, you know, and get these people booked mm. in as quickly as they needed care. Um, so for a lot of people, they, they, the local trust was saying they couldn't facilitate the home births mm. that they had planned. Um, so we, we were like, oh my gosh, what can we do? Yeah. <laughs> Is there any way we can carry on looking after our women? And mm. the plan was just basically, you know, get the, get intrapartum insurance. We set my midwives up really mm. just, to cater for those yeah. women so that we could still go and provide the home birth, do yeah. the care, thinking that it would just be kind of a, 
short term thing to support these women yeah. and then we'd just go and find a different job yeah we'd go back to the hospital and we'd work the way you know that we did in the traditional model yeah. um, and then it just never really happened no, did it it's just never happened <laughs> so we, we just ended up you know we, we cared for them and then someone else would come to us and say oh you looked after my friend please will you like help yeah. me with my birth um, and then here we are now we're yeah. still carrying on with full caseloads <laughs> um, and yeah we love being independent yeah. midwives don't we yeah. Amazing. So how long have you been how long have you been doing that? When did that happen that you so that was last year, wasn't it? Yeah. So we've been independent midwives for oh, just over a year. Yeah, over a year, yeah. Over a year. Yeah. And yeah, we just so we the the way that we tend to, to so independent midwives basically are just midwives who work in a self employed capacity. So they work outside of the NHS. So at the point of which you qualify as a midwife, usually you just you know, most most midwives um, go down sort of the traditional path where they take a job in the local hospital um, and they're implied, employed by the trust mm. and the trust then provides their insurance whereas yeah. for us yeah. we source that ourselves so we have um we go for like the Royal College of Nursing and get our insurance from there and we go through a different insurance provider where they provide you interpartum insurance yeah so that's like your birth cover um, mm. and there's like there's so you know there's a lot of governance framework mm. and um, regulations that we have to be obviously compliant with in order to practice in that way so it's not an easy process mm, but no. um it's definitely worth it for us yeah. um so yeah it just means that we we practice you know independently we do work at our local hospital yeah. as well like in the months that we're off call so we very much, you know, we know all the, you know, we know so many of the local heads of midwifery and, you know, the local yeah. consultant midwives. Like yeah. So it just means that we get to, for us, I think we're so lucky. We just get to work mm. across like the, the entire spectrum. spectrum. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. That's wicked. I know. <laughs> and we, and, you know, and we get a hundred percent continuity with our, yeah. you know, with our families and yeah. it's just amazing because we do all of their appointments mm. are at home. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they're in the at home hypnobirthing, we do the parent education, the optimal yeah. positioning, and the, so they meet both of us, like we would say, you've got your name midwife who goes with you from found out I'm pregnant all the way through to six weeks postnatal, yeah. and then the buddy midwife will come and do like 10, 12 hours of hypnobirthing, yeah. they're there for the birth, so it's just... They know us so well, yeah. yeah. Honestly, by the end of it, I'm like, you might as well just get me a case. <laughs> yeah, just let myself into the house. Yeah. <laughs> and all, you, honestly, if you were to speak to any of our families, we literally just become like part of the furniture, yeah. don't we? Yeah. And it, we, it's you know, we discharge we discharge people at six weeks postnatal, so because so much of um, you know the issues that that uh, occur during the postnatal mm. period for for a lot of the time it doesn't just happen in the first 10 days and, yeah. and usually you discharge by day 10 it's that three week bump with the breastfeeding and then mm. like, the habits are changing between three and six weeks where you wouldn't have anyone to turn to but yeah we're there yeah so we're still you know we're yeah. still part of the the family journey then aren't yeah. we and, and to, although to be fair we say we discharge in <laughs> six weeks but you never, never want to let people go they're never really they never really finish with us like we're never done with them they have us for life really and in yeah. some respects we always keep in contact yeah. don't we send so, little updates yeah. how they're doing. oh that's and, so amazing <laughs> oh i wish i wish things were different for me but oh well anyway we're not talking about me um, so tell us a bit about um, your families. Are you single? Do you have partners? Do you have children? Yeah, so I'm single. I live with my cousin. Um, yeah, we have oh, a good you've time. You've got me. <laughs> 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 we might as well, but honestly, we literally yeah. are like, the same. We spend so much time together, we, we might as well. Be. Honestly, we really do. <laughs> um, I've got a boyfriend um, and a dog. I've got a little dog mm. called George mm. who is like, 
He's our baby. Yeah, he is. He's like kind of his first baby. Yeah. Which, to be fair, we're so busy. I'm so busy yeah. anyway that I don't know where. I literally would need to put my baby in a sling and just carry on. Yeah. Just take my baby to all the births with yeah. me. We always joke because obviously we're self-employed. Like, there's no maternity leave. So as soon as they're out, get them in a sling yeah. and coming back on call. This baby will be wrapped to my back and yeah. that will be it. <laughs> exactly. When I had my daughter, I was doing this by then. And yet, yeah, as you say, there's no maternity leave when you're self-employed. They offered me oh, twenty pound a week. I said no, keep yeah. it. It's fine. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I had two weeks off C-section. I had two weeks off. Oh wow! And then, uh, well, I'd only had home visits from then. People came to me. I didn't go yeah. anywhere. Mm-hmm. I didn't go anywhere. Yeah. And I just had her in a sling the whole time. And then after six months, I put her in nursery. Um, but otherwise, those first six months, she was in a sling. I had to keep working. You, yeah. I didn't yeah. have maternity leave with her. Thankfully, yeah. my job is slings, so yeah. <laughs> well, well. I didn't need to take a demo doll, so that was easy. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, as you say, the provision for self-employed maternity is yeah, absolutely really appalling. Isn't it? Absolutely yeah. appalling, but yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. So you've mentioned slings and carriers. Have either of you ever used one? So we've um, demonstrated for our yeah. women, yeah, because because a lot of the time, <laughs> I think for some people, I think especially first time mums, sometimes mm. they can be a little bit nervous about, you know, mm. especially the slings where there's just, because we tend Lots to, of fabric. yeah, yeah, we tend to recommend just, you know, just a, a sling that's fabric, because the way that we tend to, to think about it is that it's accessible to anybody. Mm. There are cultures where, you know, people will use anything, mm. literally a scarf, the baby gets wrapped in a sling. And that's it. They just crack on. And, you know, we don't want it to be something where it's, it's an inaccessible mm. um, concept to people. And some, they're where they feel like they have to get the one that's 50 yeah. pounds, 60 pounds. It's like, no, just, get just wrap your baby. Yeah. I get so many parents like inquiring, first time mums, new parents, messaging me straight away. Oh, have you got the Ergo Baby Omni, whatever, that's this much money and does this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah but do you want this one for 20 quid instead? Yeah which, yeah, which yeah. is much better for the first few months and yeah. then which is usually a stretchy wrap um, yeah, stretchy wrap basically exactly <laughs> if you want a stretchy have a stretchy they're much nicer much nicer yeah. for you as well um yeah. but yeah and then they're like oh yeah this is much better oh yeah. you saved me money and i'm like yeah, yeah. oh cool yeah. so you recommend stretchies to your your um families well we tend to just sort of recommend the way fabric that, ones yeah fabric we, yeah. we don't tend to sort of associate with any particular would, I would Hi. never say, to, yeah, I would never necessarily mm. say that my sort of, our side of it is very much just as long as it's affordable, yeah. Yeah. as long as it's sort of fabric and it's soft so that it sort of molds to, molds around mm. baby. And like I said, I'm very much of the, of the mindset of if you've got fabric, yeah. you know, in, in your house, you, as long as it's long enough, yeah. big enough and, and it's soft. We do wear um, Mribozo, which is like, yeah. um, it's a Mexican traditional technique with a really big, long, firmly woven scarf. Um, we've knit that before and we keep um we've got three that we can use with our women just to show them so you know the ring sling one that's just a long piece of fabric and one that is a bit more structured so they can kind of try them out and see which one they like yeah and then if they go and buy one from there it's more just a look at one with good reviews it yeah. doesn't need to cost the year no. you know this was 18 pound from amazon yeah if you want something like this here's the link yeah. rather than tie into brands more yeah 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 and get an ergo baby and that's what you prefer amazing you go and do that but equally this one costs a tenner yeah it's got really good reviews it's people say it's lasted years do you want to go for this one kind of yeah 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 
and it's, all, it's always just bringing it back to that you know I think there's so much pressure on new families and new parents mm. to constantly have the, the latest yeah and the things that you know they see we're very much a consumer society mm. and actually it's getting back to the basics of why why we're recommending the slings in the first place and as I said in other cultures it would be you know in certain cultures they'll use part of their actual dress mm. themselves you know and actually in wrap so I suppose we're always sort of trying to just drive home this trying to get away from this idealistic yeah this yeah. idealistic view of getting the latest sling and actually or oh with anything really mm. i suppose it's just trying to come back to actually your baby needs you and all this is trying to do is facilitate that closeness as mm. well so it doesn't matter really from that respect to us because actually what we want to do mm. is just you know facilitate that that close yeah. relationship um and that that's all it is is just a tool to do that yeah oh my god I love you two so much <laughs> oh that was amazing um yeah because that, that's literally all it is like as you yeah. know all this is what what I say to a lot of my new parents in newborn consultations or newborn workshops is I always say to them like your baby has just spent nine months usually yeah. nine yeah. months literally inside your body yeah they don't know anything different. Don't know. The world is big and scary and loud and mm. bright and cold and they've got clothes on and they're pooing and weeing, yeah. which they've never done before. Yeah. They're yeah. feeling hunger. Like never this is all weird and scary. Also the new, only yeah. place they feel safe is here. Yeah. 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 And when you explain it to new mums, when they go, oh, my baby doesn't want to be put down. What's yeah. wrong? It's like, because they've only ever known your heartbeat and warmth. Yeah. And now we're putting them in there next to me and thinking, oh, well, off you go and then when you that's what they do on tv yeah <laughs> and that's the concept isn't it it's, like, it's, no. it's a concept of this like what makes a good baby and actually yes. like parents have this and then they have you know sometimes it's other generations in the household mm. that say you don't don't pick your baby up you'll spoil them you're making a rod be around back yeah, yeah. <laughs> that child will never sleep alone you know like you're yeah. <laughs> gonna and carry them when they're 18 yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. at graduation they'll still be in a sling yeah. <laughs> you're gonna um, breastfeed them at uni <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no and it's just it's really breaking down mm. those um those sort of barriers I think and, and mm. of getting people to understand that this mm. just just in this societal pressure of these unrealistic expectations you know we're going against the physiology of, of a normal newborn infant just and to be next to you and yeah. warm and close and I love it with the dads as well especially oh. breastfeeding and they, they're feeling a bit out of out of kilter with it it's like well when mum's asleep and that baby won't settle get them in the sling, get your top off, get them on your chest, mm. bonding skin to skin. You can still do everything that you're doing normally and they know they're safe and protected next to you. Yeah. And obviously you're building that secure attachment in them, aren't you? So you, it's, mm -hmm. it's so useful, um, obviously. And that's how we know then obviously children go on to sort of, um, they prioritise their cognitive development and we know that it helps with their behavioural mm. and social skills. So actually it's something that's so simple and makes life easy for everyone in the household. Because <laughs> I say to parents, trying to fight with a newborn baby that will just it is just stressful mm. and you just will not win like you're you know, not everybody's everyone in the house the baby's cortisol levels mm. are through the roof and stress your cortisol levels are through the yeah. roof and you're stressed and actually it's such a simple such a simple fix but yet it's just I do believe it's a mm. cultural thing though because yeah. I, I do think when you see all this other cultures and it's so normal yeah, in their family the yeah um and their breastfeeding rates are higher mm. you know that that and I just think that you know it's it's very much just a society thing that we it's something you probably know yourself but it's starting to see a bit more but still 
I'm always shocked at how many people don't know about yeah, baby wearing yeah. or mm. sling. And it's like the first time you ever mentioned it to them when you say it. Yeah. But it is getting a bit better. Yeah, more people are coming yeah. through and saying, "Oh, I've got a sling." Or I think I think what I'm seeing more. I think people are people are very aware of the the idea of like a like a structured baby. Mm. Like yeah, yeah, yeah that the to be out of the house. Mm. But then the concept of like, oh, but where are your baby in the house? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, have your yeah. baby attached to you in the house? And people are like, oh because this this concept and you know sometimes midwives we can be like we can be awful for it because the advice that we give sometimes to women and to families is baby in a moses basket and we'd hammer home all this safe sleeping advice your baby when yeah. when they're not on you when they're not feeding they need to be in a moses basket so i think sometimes parents are just terrified on the because they think in the well this baby basket. needs to go down because my midwife said yeah. that if it's yeah. not okay it's not feeding it needs to go in the moses basket mm-hmm. um but actually being like well you know you you it's it's more natural really because yeah. we're a car- we, you know we're a carrying species like really we would carry our our young mm. you know and so actually i think that it's but it'd be people you know when when they whenever we say it to people yeah and they've got a baby that um is not settling as well and then we might get a sling and then they do yeah that moment as soon as oh. they've had that struggle with that baby and they get that sling and they put that baby i, I have mums cry yeah. so many times I had a few dads tear up as well because they've been so stressed because they haven't yeah. been able to help and yeah. and then they can and I'm like right well that's your thing now yeah, yeah. you wear the baby in the sling so she can have a rest like yeah. that's that's what you do um I just wanted to go back to um what you were saying about um different cultures um and carrying and how um carrying is so prevalent um in a lot of other cultures mm-hmm. still to this day um mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that the uk used had a carrying culture as well mm-hmm. um the biggest remnants we have it is the uh, the welsh shawl um which yeah. was more of a hip carry with a blanket wrapped wow. around yeah so that was native to the uk as well and um there's evidence as well in scotland of various clan tartans being used as a simple oh, knot yeah. sling, which is very similar to the um, the lesso um, in Kenya, um, yeah. where it's just a, yeah. a, a, a bit of fabric just tied yeah. on the shoulder, yeah. Yeah. and then it's used as a as a hip carrier and as a feeding aid and yeah. everything like that. And there's evidence that also happened with clan tartan up in Scotland as well. And and yeah. in the UK. Uh, in England, sorry, or just somewhere else, Scotland. That's all the UK. In England. <laughs> We did as well, um, but with the Industrial Revolution, people yeah. aren't working in fields. With the advent of World War I, um, women yeah. going to work, formula being invented. I, I'm not anti-formula, both my babies were formula babies, not my choice, but yeah. Um, uh, but that also led to this separation. Yeah. Yeah. It's only yeah, in the last really hundred years yeah. Yeah, that this concept of separation, yeah. like even a hundred years ago, families were still all sleeping in one bedroom. Yeah. They didn't have separate bedrooms. Yeah. Yet now we're expecting these tiny little people, these just little yeah. babies to sleep yeah. in their own nursery all night long and not wake up. Yeah. 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 It's very similar to what we find with the whole idea of home birth. It's mm. lots of things, lots of things compounded to make what was such a normal thing 60 years ago that everyone was having the baby at home and yeah. we were carrying to now that it's oh home birth and sling wearing at some at a certain points was a bit like oh god you're you're out there yeah where yeah. it's actually no this was just what we used to do all the time this is normal this is natural that's yeah. it that's it we lost it we're bringing it back yeah we're bringing it back yeah. <laughs> um so what are would you say are some key values that dictate your care program you've already talked about um 
uh, making it accessible and uh, ensuring like it's the, it's you know it's one of you all the way through. Like, yeah. are there any other key components that you wanted to talk about? I think really, and one of the reasons that we love the continuity and the caseload inside of it is being able to empower women and so that they can make mm. informed choices about every aspect of the yeah. care. So we're absolutely massive on here is all the evidence yeah. on your one issue or on anything that comes up in pregnancy. Now it's up to you guys to decide what you want to do rather than me saying, oh, well, this is what we should do. It's all in their hands. And they know they can come to us at any point and say, oh, can we ask a question about this? Can we have some more information on this? We didn't quite understand this. To make sure that through their pregnancy journey and through their birth, regardless of what mode of birth it is, they come out of it and feel that it was all in their control. They were empowered to make choices and they just have that positive birth experience. Yeah. Even if it didn't go to the original plan, they still come away from it and think, oh, actually, that was really good. I'm really happy with how that turned yeah. out because I felt empowered and yeah. I felt informed through it. And that's the thing in terms of having, you know, a positive um, mm. birth experience. It's not so much. A lot of the time people think it's, it, 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 for example, if people look at the fact that we, mm. our home birth rates are so high, they might think that it's, you know, we, it's just having a home birth and achieving mm. that home birth. But actually, whether or not you have a, a vaginal birth, a cesarean mm. section, it, it actually on the basis of feeling that you had a positive birth experience, it's not, it's almost the, the type of birth actually doesn't come into it mm. really because what does come into it is whether you felt that your agency and autonomy was respected mm. whether you felt heard if you know supported. and if you were supported and whether you were the center of the decision making process mm. what, you know we do um a lot of work with with people uh, surrounding previous birth trauma and so many you know the themes that consistently mm. come up are the feelings of not being listened to and and actually feeling as though things were done to them rather mm. than actually it was their choice everything was taken out of the hands and things yeah. just happening and they didn't know what was going on they didn't have time to ask what was going on yeah and they were just handed a baby at the end of it and they were like oh is this my baby or what yeah. do we do now just that disconnect yeah. from the event and the ending of it and then also the feeling of them being almost told well you should just be grateful that you and your baby are alive or that you and you, you've got a healthy baby just be happy with yeah. that and for so many people that it's like a guilt that they sit with internally mm. they don't really ever speak about it because it's like actually obviously I love my baby I'm happy I've got my baby but I'm also grieving for the fact that I've just been through a process mm. that either wasn't what I wanted or I didn't maybe feel safe in the yeah. process so you know we have people who for some people their their dream birth is they want mm. a cesarean section yeah. and it's about then trying to facilitate their choice within that so is that skin to skin in theatre mm. is that having the drapes lowered so they can see the baby being born yeah. you know it's, can we do delayed cord clamping yes. the gentle sections yeah. all these things that can get overlooked but that makes the world different yeah, to them and they, they would sit and say, oh, I had the best birth experience. For other people, they don't want to be anywhere near a hospital. Mm. And they just want to be, you know, to them, it's, it's, a, it's a birth in a, in a place like in a, you know, mm. in the home setting, a birth pool, quite light, uh, sorry, but dim lights and quiet environment. Mm. Um, so really, it's just about facilitating choice. Mm. And we're so passionate about that, that it's not about, you know, following guidelines. And sometimes people's care falls outside of what we would class to be your standard care. But mm. to us, it's, it's, it, you know if they've had the information on benefits and risks and it's evidence-based information yeah. not scare tactics then yeah. if their choice falls outside of guidelines just because it's not my choice or your choice or a doctor's choice if it's their informed decision yeah 
then we will 100 percent support that because actually in order in terms of making decisions about your birth and whether you accept or decline care it's your human right to choose or decline care and especially you know i think that so many people's rights are sometimes mm. violated in the birth room that mm. it's it, we have to make sure that we're really mm. protecting that space considering when you compare it to um other things so cancer treatment you could go down route a or route b or you can go down route c which is nothing and if you choose nothing your choice is respected yeah. because it's, it's your life but as soon as you put a baby in the mix mum's choice seems to get yeah. pushed out the window like oh well it doesn't really matter what you want because now you've got a baby, carrying a baby yeah. but it doesn't work like that it shouldn't no. work like that yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, if only, if only you were doing the NHS midwifery training, girls, honestly. <laughs> well, we do train student midwives, don't we? Do we we do, yeah, yeah, we do. And we do lecture, we do lecture at universities yeah. and things. So hopefully we get through. Bagging the drum, <laughs> yeah. we're getting through. <laughs> Bless you. Hey, Lizanne. Lizanne? Lizanne! Oh, sorry, Jenny. I was totally immersed in this article about baby wearing in the latest issue of Juno magazine. Juno magazine? What's it about? Oh, it's a great magazine, all about a natural approach to family life. They focus on conscious parenting, sustainability, community and well-being. Also, most of their articles are written by real-life families, like this one about two dads sharing their adoption story. Oh, wow. What else is there? An article on postnatal recovery, one on the power of touch, and one called Why I Carry. It's fab, Jenny. They even have a lush seasonal recipes for you to try at home, competitions, and regular columnists, like including The Mindful Dad. Fantastic. Is it new? No, they've actually been supporting parents for 15 years now. 15 years? I know. They're constantly evolving with our rapidly changing times and reflect modern parenting values in the light of new research. Each issue is built around information, inspiration and inclusion. Ooh, that sounds good. It really is. They include supportive features from families sharing their experiences, articles and product reviews to help you make sustainable choices and they aim to make everyone feel welcome in the community. I'm glad you've mentioned sustainability because as a cloth bum mum, I am eco-conscious. Well, you'll be glad to know that Juno magazine is printed on responsibly sourced paper and if you take out a subscription, you get access to their full digital back catalogue. So I can read their full digital back catalogue on my laptop, my tablet and my phone? Yep, and they'll even send you a free gift when you subscribe. Plus, subscription issues are sent with free UK delivery. I'm sold. How do I subscribe? It's so easy. Just pop over to www.junomagazine.com and sign up. Brilliant! The Mother Rucker podcast is sponsored by Integra Baby, a family-run UK business who don't compromise on ethics and sustainability. Integra stands for the future and they believe that with the right choices, we can nurture our babies and our planet. For over a decade, Sarah and her team have worked tirelessly to bring you baby, toddler and preschool carriers of the highest quality. The multi-award winning Integra design is an industry leader and their stunning range of limited edition prints, colours and fabrics such as Harris Tweed make Integra carriers extremely desirable and collectible. With an equally attractive price point and a range of carrying positions available, Integra baby carriers are an absolute must for anyone looking to carry their child. Find yours now at integrababy.co.uk. Right, I'm just going to skip ahead with the questions now, too, yeah. uh, just because it's relevant. Um, so you mentioned there a bit about birth trauma and stuff, but I know that you both um, are trained in the rewind technique. Yes, so yeah. Would you mind explaining a little bit about that and how it works for those people who may not know? 
Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so the rewind technique is, um, it's a process basically. So, so when you experience, Mm -hmm. um, an event that you perceive to be threatening uh, or you perceive to be, um, something that would trigger trauma, your body basically goes into like a fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. And you put you, it's a safety mechanism that we've developed as human beings Mm -hmm. to get us to a place of safety. But then sometimes what can happen is that that trigger response can become linked to the memory. So that then whenever you recall that memory, you find yourself physiologically mm. straight back in the same place. Mm. So, you know, the adrenaline rush can come, that comes over you again. So the rewind technique is sort of, it's, it's a process that we can guide people through. Mm. Um, and it's like a talking approach, basically, um, whereby pe- it's, it's a method to try and unlink the memory from, from that feeling. The theory behind it is that when, when that memory is still kind of, if you imagine like, in the midbrain and it's not been processed to your long-term memory that's where when you think about it it triggers that response in your body so by working through the rewind we can unlink those feelings and emotions from the memory which means the memory can be processed put back into your long-term memory and when you recall it it does and bring up this rush of emotion that you feel yeah where it when be, it first it can be like overwhelming yeah. people so we find that um you know a previous difficult birth um and it's you know a lot the thing is the the concept of trauma is so um individual to Mm. to each person so for some people what somebody would class to be traumatic is not what it's what another Mm. person would so um and it can be used you know we've used it not just with birth trauma we've we've used it um you had a a woman didn't you who'd had Mm. a really difficult breastfeeding experience with a previous child and then she came to us and you did rewind um to help Mm. us process those feelings and have a success you know successful breastfeeding journey this time it's one of the things that we're really passionate about in the antenatal period because obviously we do a lot of um physical prep and physical like education on what your body's going to go through for birth but then if you get to that point and you've got a mental block whether that's your first time mum who's got an underlying fear of birth or a second third time mum with a previous traumatic experience if mentally you've got that block that will inhibit your labor so we want our families to be physically healthy prepared and but also emotionally and psychologically ready for the birth and feeling like they can face it and not get to that point and think oh God, I've got all these feelings I've not processed from last time, that now I'm here, all they I can think about back. is that yeah. last time and I can't relax into this. Yeah. Birth. And you know, there's there's so much sort of, um, there's the research, there's like anecdotal mm. sort of um, experiences from many, many experienced midwives. And we found it ourselves, mm. haven't we, where... Um, so and this was before we sort of started doing the work yeah. that we do now but sometimes in labor there can be a halt of labor and and you, there's not necessarily anything physical all the time mm. and sometimes it is an emotional block because so much of labor is controlled obviously it's controlled by your hormones and if you're getting to a stage where you're feeling like um you know there's something's coming up for you that's yeah. triggering that adrenaline response your oxytocin which is your labor hormone will just start to mm. fall and labor will just stop so, you know, if we can get, if we can help to process yeah. those feelings, um, then obviously it's, it's just, it's, it's just really beneficial for families really. Mm. And we do it with dads as well. I've, yeah. I've, I've done yeah. a rewind technique with, um, with partners. I'll re, you know, rewind anyone in the family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Is that quite standard then across other independent midwives as well? To, or is it? No, um, I mean, we just, we, we both, um, 
trained to be a perinatal mental yeah. health specialist as well so like mm. so we just integrate into part yeah. of our practice don't we? I would say some independent midwives yeah, some do, I think. do but it's not I wouldn't call it a no. and I don't think because we we sort of offer it to all of our families just like as part of the care mm. we do like we do it at, we would do it at an antenatal appointment yeah. for people um so I don't know I think people tend to do more one-off sessions don't yeah they? well it's like three sessions but yeah maybe like a course of it rather than integrating it into like into the care practice. pathway yeah yeah hmm. amazing so at the moment you're doing well not at the moment you always do but yeah um, currently, uh, you're doing a lot of work on equality in birth care and striving to address the fact that BAME birth parents are five times more likely to die in childbirth than white birth parents. Yeah. Um, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so we, it was something that we were already looking at because we're currently both doing our master's and for our dissertation, it was something that had really interested us because there's not a lot of research going on into why. So we wanted to kind of start the ball rolling because yeah. it's something we're really passionate about. Um, and so we set up my midwives initiative to try and get a funding stream so that we could start to share yeah. the knowledge that we were learning and that we thought was kind of pertinent mm. to starting to improve practice. And from that, we started doing lots of different workshops yeah. for universities and then as part of our like PMA role the professional birth advocate we do that at lots of different trusts um usually in person yeah pre-covid times obviously yeah um, it's quite a restorative um approach to support and guide people through that but it's working quite well yeah, it's, the, yeah, the it's just you know obviously there's a lot of un difficult emotions that can come up mm. for people when discussing you know unconscious bias and you know sometimes people I sort of have to sit with themselves and think sometimes I've you know I might have been complicit in in um these these issues and um this, this, so we sort of take it from obviously there's so much amazing work that's going mm. on in general but we're taking it from the point of like a midwifery approach so trying to support midwives to sort of how how can we look mm. at practice and um how can we create a culturally safe mm. maternity space for people to access maternity care so we sort of look at you know the experiences of black and brown people yeah. accessing maternity care um and the research behind that and and just sort of practical implications as to mm. like, what does it mean to be actively anti-racist and um, because it's not just an, enough like people say you know just to, to yeah. say oh, i'm not racist and um, we have to actively you know yeah. dismantle the like systems that, like decolonizing mm -hmm. yeah. policies um anything that's quite like Eurocentric terms for describing wellness and things like that, things that people can go back into practice yeah. and start to action. You know, one of the key things we always use is when we describe a well baby, it's very common that you'll see in all the notes, warm, pink and alert. But how is your black baby pink? Yeah. Not, we'll, we just, midwives will just write it because you're so used to warm, pink and alert. But that in itself yeah. is just an unconscious process that you could go back and unpick in your unit. Um, by just changing to warm well perfused and alert yeah you know it's as simple as that sometimes mm. so yeah so, so that's so that's basically the work that we're doing obviously the research that we're doing you know behind it um for, for our masters anyway um that continues to underpin it and you know we are we're very busy, <laughs> very busy with it, aren't we? but um no it's such it's such necessary work and mm. as we said we do a lot of work with universities as well because obviously student midwives and the midwives of the future yeah. so at the point of registration so many student midwives fed back to us that they didn't really they didn't mm. feel like it was really included in their training at all and mm. um, you know sort of even how to how to detect 
um, deterioration in, in mm. black and brown skin. Like a lot of the textbooks are all when they show uh, rashes, when they show anything, mm. it's all like on white skin tones. So, you know, even things as detecting jaundice in black babies, you know, midwives, we need to be able to offer care, mm. safe care to, to people from all sorts yeah. of different um, backgrounds. And currently it is missing from midwifery education. Yeah. It should be a continuous thread mm. throughout education. You know, that it's, if we're talking about jaundice, it should be, this, yeah. is how, this is how it presents in a white baby. This is how it presents in a black baby. And this is one of the big things that we're trying to do because we want that kind of streamlined pathway of it doesn't need us to come in and do a separate session. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever you're talking about, yeah. if you're talking about mastitis and you're talking about recognizing it, using the term red for black skin is probably not going to be appropriate. So how do you tell a mum what she's looking out for for mastitis? But that should be in your general lesson mm. on potential breastfeeding issues, not a separate topic yeah. on, oh, well, we've done the whole curriculum, but here's our one session on recognising things in black and brown skin. And we really want that to yeah, be. Yeah, we do. Because there's a big overhaul in the yeah. education at the minute. They're changing all the curriculum to meet new guidelines. So mm. now is the free time that we should be yeah. changing those lectures to include these yeah. things because we don't want it to be a tick box exercise like oh right we've included diversity everyone's had an hour yeah. out, out the whole three years that they're yeah. training oh they've had their hour now on how yeah. to how to care for baying people and then it's that con you know it's the, the conversation on yeah. that there's so much to it so you know there's a lot of work to be done but we're trying to do our little bit aren't we yeah. and this yeah. you know there's so many amazing um platforms that you know yeah. and there's so many amazing people out there there's mm. there's obviously the five more campaign which is raising so much you know so many so much awareness miles lodge you yeah. know there's yeah. so many people out there that are doing the work so we're just trying to do our, yeah. our little bit that we can do <laughs> you're doing loads you're having a massive impact oh, so how long how long have you been doing that and teaching that has it been a, a, a few years a year a month so the, the masses yeah, so the masters we've been doing um, for the yeah for the last year, um, and part of that has been sort of, of woven mm. through it, um, and the workshops have been in that time as well. Yeah, mm. so so, from the beginning of the year, really, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, how did the Black Lives Matter movement? Um, obviously, that came to a head this year mm. with um, George Floyd's murder. Um, how how did that impact? the message you're taking out and what you're teaching and what you're trying to imp impart to other yeah. midwives and trainee midwives. We, yeah. I think what we found, cause obviously it was something we were already doing and we were already really passionate about, but it really did help mm. make other people more receptive to, yeah, receptive um, to the work. what we were saying mm. and actually sitting down and doing the work. So the reflective work that we um, encourage people to do and the message that we're trying to get across, people were more kind of wi willing to listen in yeah. a way and wanting to take it on and more kind of, um, wanting to spread the word about it as yeah. well that we need to raise awareness i think for a lot of people and, and i suppose that's that's part of the the issue of privilege is that for a lot of people it's not an issue until it's drawn to their attention mm. so and that's one of the you know the things of what it means to be privileged is that you can sort of tune in and out of it as mm. as you want to and out of the issues but i think that the the global platform that that um sort of in, in, ensued from that from that event meant that people were then having the conversations people mm. like George said they were more receptive to doing the work and actually it takes commitment to continuously you know try try and work on yourself and, mm. and it's 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 a difficult process for the people yeah. for people to go through so I think that they were more willing and more they mm. understood why it was more necessary yeah. um I think people are still really really shocked when they know how you know the statistics mm. Um, and we were talking, speaking to a colleague today, mm. um, and she, we were discussing this, this research that um, basically says that within the, so, so the Embrace report is produced um, by, um, sort of the, it's produced every, every, every 
annually, but it looks at the last three years um, of statistics for maternal mortality. Um, but the, the authors of the Embrace have gone on to do further research where they, they looked at the um, ethnicity of, of the, the women and sort of looked at what their, their outcomes would be in their own country. And they found that for um, women of the Pakistani yeah. or, origin, they would be safer to give birth in Pakistan than they would be in this country. Mm. That the wow. mortality, mortality rates are worse for Pakistani yeah. women and Southeast Asian women in the UK South Asian women, yeah. they were being cared for in, in the world and yeah and so it tells us that there's something that we're doing that is yeah. systematically you know the, mm. the levels of disparities are coming from yeah. our maternity system and and the failings that that we're sort of creating for yeah. people because so much of the time we just think oh you know we we have this view that we're the west and our maternity system mm. is far more advanced and actually you know if you're black and brown in this country you're not as safe to to negotiate through the maternity system and that currently is just a really stark um Mm. fact that it's not that maternity in this country is not as safe for black and brown people as it is for white people and so we just can't you know we do need to we we have to unpick it there's no yeah unfortunately there's no other choice yeah yeah well no women are dying yeah Yeah. people are dying yeah it's that simple and yeah yeah, it's horrendous it's awful and Thank goodness for people like you guys who are trying to have an impact. You're knocking there. Yeah, you are not trying. You are having an impact. But yeah, more needs to be done. But that's why I wanted to talk to you about it on here as well. Yes, this is a neighboring podcast. But before you can wear a baby, you've got to have one. You have to have your baby. And, (laughs) you know, and black infants of black mothers are twice as likely mm. you know black black babies are twice as likely to be still still born they're more likely to be born prematurely mm. so it really does affect you the whole yeah the whole the whole family yeah. continuum really mm, absolutely and you've mentioned um that you're um you've got perinatal mental health training mm. um how much uh, do you believe carrying can support a parent's mental health in those early uh those few first few months especially massively really going in back to what we talked about the cortisol levels and the crying babies that level of stress that you feel when you put your baby down and the screaming that in itself is a massive um stressor so baby wearing and having an overall calmer baby and all that skin to skin all that oxytocin mm. helps um, the breastfeeding obviously we know and lots of research on when mums are struggling with breastfeeding and um, there's increased risks of postnatal depression and um, baby wearing can help with breastfeeding it can yeah. help with the position and keeping them close yeah. so I definitely we're definitely big advocates yeah, of it for, def- yeah. for lots of reasons but especially mental health yeah mm. and have you noticed anything about how it can help babies thrive so say you've got you know, a baby's come out maybe a bit too early or there's been some issues during birth where a baby is stalled a bit in their um, development. Um, have you seen anything about how slings and carriers can help babies to flourish in that way? Well, we know that it helps. Obviously, we, we talk about the first mm. 1,001 days, don't we, and the development that's so important during that time. Um, and obviously, from that point, they, they can every experience they have every early childhood experiences sort of going towards their experience of the world and how they view the world um, and that can that completely sort of affects their cognitive development and we know that babies for example that um might be born prematurely mm-hmm. they can sometimes sort of their um early experiences can lead could lead to an insecure attachment so actually the more that we can then sort of help to support that and have that early bonding and we know that the close like care yeah a little bit different than your sling carrying but that babe wearing of having them on your skin 
yes, mass loads skin of research is, on that, isn't there now? Yeah, kangaroo can. And you know, it helps to regulate their, their respiration rates, mm. the temperature, the heart rate. Um, you know, it, the temperature is, is amazing. It mm. tends to, you know, we know that it calms them in general. So if they've had quite a stressful birth or a, um, a difficult entrance into the world, we know that that helps just to bring mm. their, um, their, the heart, the heart rate mm. sort of down, the cortisol levels yeah. down and sort of just helps them to make that transition. Mm. One of the things we love is that people tend to think that's initial skin to skin. That's it. You don't need to do skin to skin again. But what we love is, well, you're in the house, especially now in lockdown, get your top off, get your baby in the nappy and get them on your skin. And yeah, okay, you don't want to be stuck on the sofa. So put them in a sling and then you on your skin off. to skin. You get all these gorgeous benefits. Your baby's calmer, you're calmer. If you're breastfeeding, then your milk production hormones are higher. And you can still, if you've got toddlers, you can still crack on with them because you've got both your hands free and your baby's lovely and settled on your chest. It's yeah. just amazing. Yeah, it's no brainer. Oh, bless you. Yeah, no, it is. It is. That's exactly what I say to all my new parents as well. Exactly the same. They're always surprised when I say to them, oh yeah, and the stretchy is great because if you spread it out, then you can just have your bra underneath, have baby in yeah. a nap, you know? and yeah. if the postman knocks, doesn't matter. You're pretty much covered. Although yeah. he'll have had a boob full before anyway. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia, you mentioned kangaroo care just now. Um, would you mind explaining just a bit more about it? Because I know people have heard the term and if you just explain a bit more about what kangaroo care is and how it helps yeah. babies and things, that'd be lovely. Yeah. So in general, your kangaroo care is something that we find more with our preterm infants, especially our babies who are on the neonatal unit. And it's where they have time out of the incubators on mum's skin, um, usually there, obviously in the little nappies. And it's just helping to start build those initial bonds mm. between mum and baby. Because obviously it's a key area where I'm sure within the same we are missing out on those initial early interactions with them being either so small or delicate to touch. But this method, there's lots of research that shows it's helping their brain development. It's helping the neural pathways. It's regulating the breathing. Um, I think it was Australia that did a lot of big studies mm. on it where the babies who had kangaroo care were recovering quicker than babies who didn't because at, at the end of the day we're all human we all need that skin to skin contact yeah. we need that touch um and by lots of the neonatal units now supporting it and just supporting mm. um the logistics really of bringing that little tiny baby out of their incubator and putting it on mum or dad's chest and having that help as part of their kind of treatment course in a way yeah, you no, no, that's yeah that's yeah that's it really Awesome. So what you've already talked a little bit about this, but what is your top tip for carrying for parents and caregivers? Mine, I think, would be do it when they're settled. So if, when, if you're feeding, no matter what way you're feeding, have a good feed and then put them in it. And I would say do it in skin to skin first, because the last thing you want is them already They've already started kicking off. They're already unhappy. You've never used a sling before. You can't get that leg in and you just call it a day because it's just your stress levels are through the roof. No one's around to help you. Get them settled. Get them sleepy. Put them in it. Just so much easier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. And Sheridan? I think mine would just be that there's, I just think the. I have to tell people to baby wear all the time. Yeah. Just have your baby. Honestly, do I just do, do it. it every day. I just yeah. think while you're in the house, I'd, like I said, I think that the, the, the biggest misconception is this idea of 
sort of just having them carrying them outside of the house but I think the best time is to carry them in the house I think it's it's a great uh, facilitator for feeding because they're close to um, to, to where they can smell the milk and those you know those early sort of um, scents can just really help with latch and things like that so mine I'd say mate just beware them every day keep them on you attached to you it just helps with that fourth trimester it's just so important like yeah. the transition um, yeah definitely. and it can be it can be quite a healing experience if you have had a birth which wasn't what you intended or yeah. you've come away from that birth feeling quite upset with a sense of loss that close comfort and bond and just attachment with your baby and wearing them can be a really really nice mm. way to go through that fourth yeah. trimester and quite yeah. healing and like mental health benefits but even just a smaller thinking looking down at a little face you can smell the head everyone knows that they all those lovely scents they release from the head it's just yeah yeah all yeah. the time get a sling it's funny you say it is healing because neither of my births were what I wanted and neither of my breastfeeding journeys were what I wanted yeah but I carry them yeah <laughs> that's the thing that I can do is I can yeah. carry them and I still carry them Dexter's just started reception um oh. but like he was knackered when I picked him up today but I always take a sling with me and he just said mom can I get on your back and I was like yeah oh. he climbed on sling on we walked home and he was chatting away just oh. chatting out. and I'm just like oh. I, I can still do yeah couldn't have the birds or the feeding I wanted but oh. I could carry them so it and it did and it, it healed it healed it didn't heal all of the wounds but it healed a lot of that pain oh. and heartache that I carry still for yeah. not having what got I wanted there but yeah I can carry them oh. everyone can carry them but yeah <laughs> oh thank you so much for appearing on the podcast guys oh thank you so much thank for having you. me um where can people find you if they want to follow up so we're on Instagram and Facebook we are at my midwives UK or people can always drop us an email on info at mymidwives.co.uk wonderful thank you both so much oh, thank, thank you for having us <laughs> you've been listening to the mother rocker podcast with me lazanne skinner you can find me on facebook instagram and tiktok at mother rocker uk and on youtube if you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast please send an email to podcast at motherrucker.co.uk if you need help with carrying i'm available for online and in-person consultations five days a week please go to www.motherrucker.co.uk for more information. Remember to like, share, subscribe, text your mate, post it on social media, whatever. Just get the word out there. Once again, ladies, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Thank for you. Oh, no, I loved it. I'll see you soon. Bye. Oh, thank you. Bye. Bye.